Welcome, my name's Paul. If we haven't had the opportunity to meet yet, we are kicking off a new series called You in Five Years. And it's like, okay, New Year's resolution time, we're supposed to be talking about one year, right? We, we can't, we, I don't even know what's going on next week, let alone what's going on five years from now. But I, I think that might be part of the struggle that we find ourselves in year after year is that our goals are often just too short-sighted. And in fact, thinking about the future and thinking about further in the future can help you in, in dramatic ways with your present. And, and I say this because I experienced, this is, this is kind of dorky, funny little thing that I do, but it helps keep me sane. I have four children under the age of 12, at least until tomorrow when one of my daughters turns 12, but we have been putting other human beings to bed for the last 12 years, which if you've never done that, you haven't yet experienced the emotional sensation that you get. And it's not just an ooey-gooey fun feeling. It's a, like a UPS delivery driver at Christmas time. Like you want to put them to bed like a package and just like throw them into bed and go. Because it's like as a parent, at least for me in my experience, as a parent, I get so exhausted by the end of the day sometimes. It's like I just need a minute for me. But there's this voice inside of me that recognizes this greater truth. That five years, 10 years, 20 years, 30 years down the road, eventually my kids are going to be sitting around a table having a conversation. Do you remember what mom and dad used to do? And within myself, I have a predetermined answer to at least how I want them to partially answer that question about how bedtime was. Like, I, I want them to be like, you know what, when dad put us to bed, like he was always in there with us for that moment. And he would always tell us that he loved us. He would always pray for us. He would always pray that we would encourage our siblings and show our love to them. Like, I have determined that that's how the conversation needs to be 10, 20 years down the road. And, and because I, I want that, my behavior in that moment is already predetermined. It's already set because I know the goal that I want. But far too often, and that's one area where I'm doing good. I'm not going to tell you the other areas. It's like, you know, I should have been investing in working out 20 years ago, and my life would be a very different life. There's so many areas that I've missed, but that's one where I've said, okay, that's the result I want, so this is how I'm going to live. And I think that it would be helpful to me, I think it would be helpful to you if in these next few days, we really kind of sat down for ourselves and said, okay, what are the things God's calling me to do in the next five years? Because as the video began to show, you can accomplish a whole lot of things in five years. There's a whole lot of good that you can do. I mean, just for, for example, in five years, you know that if you, if you set your heart to it and you set your mind to it, you could learn a completely new language. You, you, you could be hablaing espanol. I haven't done that yet, obviously. Like, you could be doing it. Like, you could be speaking a different language. You, you, could be, you could be typing a computer language. You could learn C++ and be creating programs for computers and making money on the App Store. Like, you could do it. Five years. You know that you could do that. You, you, you could just begin exercising a little bit, and five years down the road, you could be in completely different physical shape. You could learn to yodel. You could be a yodeler. There's online tutorials. I searched. You can find them on YouTube for free. They're a little bit distracting if you watch too much about them. But you could yodel and go to Sweden and yodel and communicate to someone on a different mountaintop. If five years you set your heart to it, you know you could do that. You could be the Cape Coral yodeler. People would know you. All right? Five years. You could do a lot. 
And it's easy to think of all that you could do in five years, but yet you know five years ago you didn't sit down and create some crazy passionate plan that was close to your heart that said, I'm going to do this. You didn't do that five years ago, which is why you don't have a result like that right now. And in so many areas of our life, it's like we're, we've been given this moment and we've been given this opportunity and we allow other things to push our schedule around and we miss these tremendous opportunities to do great things, to use the resources that God has given us in great ways. And that's really kind of the heart behind what we're going to get into today. We're going to study a passage from Romans chapter 13 and we're going to look at verses 11 through 14 and I'm going to read the whole section, but then we'll go back and we'll kind of break out specific pieces of the passage. But just to give you a context, in Romans 13, the Apostle Paul starts off writing, and he's addressing the issue of, you know, there are governing authorities that have been set above you, and God's hand is on them, and they're there for a purpose. You should obey them. And he's just laying that out there. As followers of Christ, you should obey the laws that are set above you. And then beyond that, don't be in debt to anyone except for your debt to love them. And love fulfills all of the commandments, all in this one, to love your neighbor. And he uses that to set up this piece where in verse 11, he writes and he says, this is all the more urgent, for you know how late it is. Time is running out. Wake up, for our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. The night is almost gone. The day of our salvation will be here soon. So remove your dark deeds like dirty clothes. And put on shining armor of right living, because we belong to the day. We must live decent lives for all to see. Don't participate in, dark, in the darkness of wild parties and drunkenness or in sexual promiscuity or in immoral living or in quarreling and jealousy. Instead, clothe yourself with the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. And don't let yourself think about ways to indulge your evil desires." You know, when it comes to the time that we've been given, this urgency that we should have, we overestimate what we could do in a short time, and we underestimate what we could do given a long time. You know, I went through some of the positive things, and we know that if we started and we began to pursue it, we could, we could do incredible things in five years. But you know, you can mess up your life pretty good in five years as well. Uh, just based on the average diet, if you were to add two 20-ounce sodas to your diet based on what you're doing right now, that would probably add up to about one pound gained per month, which over the course of five years would be 60 extra pounds. You could mess your health up pretty badly like that. You could start spending on the credit card, and you could bury yourself in credit card debt pretty easily. Five years is definitely time to wreck a marriage. You could start excluding your spouse, and you, you, could, you could find yourself divorced in five years pretty easily if you, if you weren't paying attention to what you were doing. Five years is enough time to push a child away, a grown child, and make them not want to be around you. Five years, you, you could definitely do that. Five years, you, you could start smoking or start drinking, and you could mess up your lungs or your liver really well in five years. And, you know, for the question of, well, can I smoke or drink and still be a Christian? Well, I mean, what do you mean? Like, would you still go to heaven? Yes, you'd still go to heaven. In fact, you'd probably get there faster than the rest of us if you were smoking and drinking. I mean, it's the truth. It's not a surprise anymore. We know what happens. Um, you could mess your life up with addiction pretty fast. Five years. And the thing is that we know that 
five years of allowing an addiction to control your life, it can bring you to a really dark place in five years, but we all know that it starts in a very simple way. It's, it's not, I'm going to do this all the time. It's uh, uh, just this once, just for fun, just because of the people around. So many destructive behaviors, they, they don't collapse our life all at once, but it's like we allow this, this one little small way begin to grab control of us in a way that it shouldn't. And, and so to just kind of setting up before we really work on the passage here, this simple truth of the ways that you let in become the ways that you are set in. There are things regarding your spiritual life. There are things regarding your family life and your work life and your spiritual life. But it's like, it's just this, this little way that I know really doesn't belong, but I'm going to let it come in. But given time and opportunity to grow, it grows into something that's very destructive. And so the, these ways that we let in, and I want to I tell you, like, I, I hear some of the excuses that runs through your mind. Well, this is how my family was. Well, yeah, I grew up in a single mom family. I grew up in a family where we saw addiction and problems around. And you kind of get handed a life at 18, but then you decide what ways you keep. And God has given you opportunity and strength, and even in these moments, opportunity to step out of those old ways into new ones. You've seen how destructive the old ways are. Why would you continue them? Why would you try to give yourself a pass to continue them when you hated them as a child? Why wouldn't you change? And so for you and for me, we don't get to just say, oh, this is how my family is. If there's ways that don't belong in, in the life of a follower of Christ, we have to begin to change. We have to begin to push them out. We have to begin to change. And so going into the first verse, 11, it says, this is all the more urgent, for you know how late it is. Time is running out. I just want to stop there, because as we see time is running out, there, there's just the simple truth that time, when it comes to, to what we're doing, time is not on our side. Time is running against us. Time, we have an opportunity, but time goes by quickly. And it feels like the older that I get, the faster that time runs by. And specifically in this passage, the word that we see here, time, there's two different words for time in Greek. And the first is chronos, which is kind of like a stopwatch or telling time, measuring time. And then the second is kairos, which is like an opportune moment. In this passage, when it says time, it's describing an opportune moment that is right in front of you. And the apostle's writing here, and he's saying, there's this opportune moment, and it's there, and it's going to be gone. You, you need to move with urgency in your life. And Scripture gives us a very clear description of, you know, what our life is like in regards to urgency and time. In Psalm, 9, in Psalm 39, 5, it describes life as being like a breath. That, that, that he says, that the length of my life is like the width of my hand, is what the psalmist writes. In James 4, it describes our life as being a morning mist or a vapor that is here one second and gone the next. In 1 Peter, he, he writes and he says, each man, each human is like the grass of the field. It flowers and then it's gone. Scripture is very clear that our time here, it's going to go quickly. And I think that the experience in life with, with all the digital things that we have in front of us and all the information that we want to keep up with and all the things that we want to do and the games that we want to play and the things that we want to see and the people that we want to talk to from high school that don't matter at all but we want to argue with them online, all of these things have rushed in to crowd our experience of life and make it feel even faster. And it pushes out the things that we should be pursuing with an urgency and a purpose. 
the goals that we should be striving after, just even sitting down and figuring out the goals and the mission and the purpose and the calling of my life. It's like sitting down and to do that, I haven't had time. And I think you're letting things crowd out what really matters. In regards to using our time, you know, in that passage in 1 Peter 24 that I referenced, it says, people are like, gra- like the grass. Their beauty is like a flower in the field. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of the Lord remains forever, is what it says. The things that God has spoken, they will stand, they will continue to stand for all of time. So when our life and our body is compared to a, per- to a perishable thing that we will put off once to be clothed with the imperishable, that there's an eternal nature to us, that truth will always stand. The, the fact that we're called not to store up treasures on earth, but treasures in heaven, that truth will always stand. And when I describe storing up treasures in heaven, I want to make sure that you clearly understand I'm not talking just about financial giving. Like when we're told to store up treasures in heaven, the way that we live our life can store up treasures in heaven. The, the way that we pour our life into someone else who could never pay us back through mentorship, through friendship, through kindness, that's a way to store up treasure in heaven. Seeking after our heavenly father through intimate, purposeful prayer is a way to store up treasure in heaven. Seeking after great works for the kingdom of God is a way to store up treasure in heaven. It's not just financial giving. There are things that you can do with your life, with your time, with your energy that will matter forever. Even though our life is passing us by quickly. God gives us moments to make a difference and we have to seize them. We have to capture them. This this is what our life is supposed to be about. And the way that we live our life, it it sets a trajectory. It, it, It puts us into a movement. And so it's like when we begin to do these things, it will either strengthen us, or if we choose to do destructive things, it'll set us on a course that, that is destructive. It reminds me, uh, I saw in the news, I actually had to check out on some people that were in this room because they were on a cruise. I saw in the news that these two cruise ships ran into each other while some, some people in the room were on a cruise. And I was like, oh man, I hope that wasn't them because that must have been a crazy experience. But watching the video of two, these two cruise ships run against each other, it was like watching like a collision of two slugs. Like it, like, it happened in slow motion. Like the, the, the boats are just going and it's going towards it and the people in the video are like, oh my goodness, we're gonna hit it. <laughs> we're gonna run into it soon. And it's like they, they knew like this collision was coming but it wasn't like a fast one. You just can't change direction that quickly in a boat that big. And so, you know, plenty of people were taking videos of this, this collision that happened, but it just happened so slow because the trajectory, the trajectory that they were on got set well before the collision happened. And, and much like your life, you might, man, suddenly things just went terrible. Well, what do you mean suddenly things went terrible? <laughs> I mean, it, it's been years since you, you've been to church, and when you were at church, you acted like a brat the whole time, and you never leaned into what God was trying to do in your life, and you pushed people away, and you, you brought in unhealthy habits, and you ran with unhealthy habits for probably a good four or five years before you got a diagnosis that scared you and made you say that everything just fell apart. No, it, it was a slow train wreck. It usually is. And, and I, I want to tell you that in the way that you're living your life, the habits that you're holding onto, they're pushing you in a direction. And change is possible, but change is most likely going to happen slowly, and it's going to require some very deliberate actions. 
And one of the things about you, and this is just a simple truth, the future you of what you're going to look like in 10 years, it's just an exaggerated version of current you. The way that you're going is going to increase. That if your life is controlled by an addiction, that addiction is just going to increase. If your life is getting healthier physically, you're going to continue to get healthy healthier and stronger physically if you're prioritizing being in the gym. If you're prioritizing your emotional health and getting healthier in that way, you're going to continue to get healthier. You're going to move in the direction that you've been moving in, and you're going to grow in the way that you've been growing in, whether it's allowing something that's healthy to take control or something that's destructive to take control. And and that's the way that we're going to go. Proverbs 11.27 says it this way, if you earnestly seek good, you'll find favor. But if you seek trouble, it will find you. Like, what you're going after and the thing that you're going towards, it, it's going to show up. And so, that's not real encouraging, Paul. Help me out here. Give me some, like, like if I've been messing up, like, what do I do? Well, well this, is, this is the way that we begin to make changes. And, and it's, it's simple. An ongoing consistency is much more important than a short-term intensity. We've got to begin to make small decisions on a regular, daily basis that begin to change the course for our life, to change the ways that, that, that we're taking on a daily basis. In the passage, at the end of verse, uh, the second half of verse 12, it, it says it this way. It says, So remove your dark deeds like dirty clothes and put on the shining armor of right living. And, and it makes this illustration that, that recognizing what is on you and the way that you have and, and the clothing that you have on you, that if that clothing became filthy, that, that if you went to the gym and you got so, soaking wet with sweat and disgusting, like, just gym juice that gets on you as you're there using the equipment, other people sweat that dried up and is now on you, like, if that gets on your shirt, you don't wear that shirt again tomorrow. People will notice. You'll have more space when you go to get a seat, and you'll have a little more arm reach, but, but your love life is going to be affected. Like, your, your, your general work life will be affected if you continue to wear dirty clothes. People will notice. In the same way that you wouldn't wear dirty clothes, the, the sins, the dark deeds that are in your life, take them off on a daily basis. And I love the reality of this, because it, it's not like, hey, if there's something there, you need to hide it. No, it, when there's something there, almost like on a daily basis, deal with what is there. Remove it. Get rid of it. And put on something else. Put, put on the, this, this shining armor of right living. It's going to protect you. When you put on right living, it's not just going to smell better. It's actually going to protect you in your life. It's going to be so much better for you. And so there's this picture of what that means spiritually. We need to repent daily. We need to deal with our mistakes daily and not pretend like they didn't happen. And this goes between us and God and us and those who are in our life. When we make a mistake, we don't have to be afraid to say, I messed up. We don't have to be perfect people. We're forgiven people. And in fact, it's a beautiful thing to teach your children or teach the people in your household when you are able to say, I'm sorry, I was wrong. They learn to say, I'm sorry, I was wrong. But if they never see that modeled from you, where are they going to learn it from? If they don't hear it, if they don't see that example from you, where are they going to get it from? We need to be willing to repent and change daily because the fact is the, the good or the bad in our life, it is going to increase. It is going to grow. The, the way that we allow our life to go, the direction we allow our chart, our, our course to chart, it, it's going to increase. C.S. Lewis said it this way. He said, good and evil both increase at a compound rate. 
Like, it multiplies. You allow it to stay there in your life, and you'll see it multiply time after time. If you continue to move in a good direction, you're just going to get stronger and stronger till, till you can't even recognize the person you've become because God has done so much. But if you allow addiction, evil, sin to reign in your life and in your attitude and in your decisions, eventually you won't recognize yourself either because of the destruction that's come into your life. We have to choose to deal with our mistakes. We have to choose to deal with them. And, and, and then the passage goes to this incredibly beautiful place in verse 14. Um, it says, instead, clothe yourself with the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. And don't let yourself think about ways to indulge your evil desires. We know that what we think about ends up into our actions. We know that the things that we allow our mind to rest in are the things that we end up getting a hold of. Like, that, that's just common sense. But, but this other part is such a beautiful summation of all, all of the purpose and the teaching of Scripture. I mean, when, when you think through Jesus' teachings and, and, and you say, okay, how am I supposed to love my neighbor because my neighbor is an idiot and I don't know how to deal with that. Like, how do I deal with that? Verse 14, it says, instead clothe yourself with the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, now this, this get, gets to a point of separation. Because when we understand what it means to be a Christian, many of us misunderstand it of saying, well, you know what, I was born in America, and my family occasionally dragged me to church, and, and so that means that I'm a Christian. Like, it's what, it's what my family was, and so that's what I am. And, and the, the saying, as you know and as it goes, like, just because you're in McDonald's, it doesn't make you a hamburger. Just because you're in a garage, it doesn't make you a car. Like, just being in church, it doesn't make you a Christian. But, but this is a really beautiful picture that might help some people understand it. That from, from that point, and what Scripture says is, is that if you believe in your heart that, that Jesus is Lord and confess with your mouth that God raised him from the dead, that, that you'll be saved. And what, what Scripture says is at that moment when we make that decision, we become a Christian. And spiritually, this is what happens. All of our sin and all of our shortfall from our past life through our future life, God, God takes the accountability for that, and, and Christ has paid that at the cross for us. And the righteousness that he earned is given to us. That, that's what happens in that moment that we believe. But that's not the only thing that happens. What, what Scripture teaches us and what, what Jesus said is that he'll never leave us and he'll never forsake us. Well, what he said is when he was going, he was going to send his spirit to counsel us and guide us and walk with us through every day of our life. And being a Christian isn't just someone who, you know, was raised in a family that was Christian. It's someone who's made a decision with their heart and their mind to follow Christ. And someone who the Spirit of God is now walking with them through their life. And this is so important because when it comes to dealing with the neighbor and their wind chimes and the dogs barking and all the things that we love to get upset about in Cape Coral, it's easy when you're walking in the presence of Christ to be like, I can forgive that because of how I've been forgiven. When you're walking and you've started your day and it, and it uses the same picture, it says, okay, take off the dirty clothes and get rid of those. And put on the presence of Christ. And it gives us this picture that as we start our day, we need to be putting on the presence of Christ in our life. And this is what empowers us to be able to live out the teachings of Scripture. It's not just on our own strength, but it's the fact that when I see someone else through the way that God sees them, it changes the way that I treat them. 
And, and just even in the starting of my day, like, it, it, oh, it's so hard to pray because it's boring and I don't know what to say. And the, you know what? If you're just praying to pray out a list, I get how that can be boring. But when you're praying and understanding, okay, as I pray, I understand that, that the presence of God is here. That, that what people sought after through all kinds of rituals and in all kinds of ways has been given to me through Christ. And the presence of God will be with me through the start of my day. And I want to clarify that like, there's no place that his presence is not already there. But there's a reality that, that because of sin and hardness of heart, we often become numb to it, and, and we don't want to hear from God. But when you start your day off, through prayer, I'm seeking after the presence of God. Through Scripture, I'm seeking to know that he's here and he's speaking to me. When you start off that, your day that way, it changes the way that you face addiction. It changes the way that you face the struggles in your family. It changes the way that you see the people at work. It changes the way that you see the people at your school. The presence of God is the gift. And when we start our day off, man, that, that, that's the way, <laughs> that's the way that we, we can move towards greater things. That's the way that we can move towards goals that will make us look at the person we've become five years from now and say, I can't even believe how much I've changed. And so the, the encouragement is, is just really simple. I, I want you to purposely pursue his presence. As part of your resolutions for this new year, in regards to your faith, it's not just I want you to check a box, I read this much scripture. I don't want you to check a box, I prayed for this long. Those aren't bad things. But if you miss the heart and the purpose behind it, it's going to feel empty. God sent his son to die on a cross to pay for your sins, not to just deal with sins, but to adopt you as children, to bring you into a relationship. And one of the greatest gifts that he gave you is his presence. Band, if you guys would come up, I'm going to begin to wrap this thing up. You know, there, there, there was a study that was done, uh, and they, they had two groups of people, and it, they took one group and they said, we want you guys to wear a really low SPF sunscreen, just a 15, but we want you to wear it every single day for five years. Five years. And the other group, they said, just whenever you're out in the sun, we want you to wear a 50 every single time you're out in the sun and it's going to be bright. Just like if you're going to the beach, wear it. If you're outside playing sports, then put it on for that day and wear it. But both of you guys need to wear sunscreen. And so that's how it's going to go. One a small dose every single day, one, you know, just the SPF 50 when you're out doing an activity where you're going to be in the sun for a while. And after five years, they took the collect, a collection of photographs of each person in it. And, and it was a couple different photographs, and they had people try to guess which one was which. And the group that just put on the sunscreen when they felt like they were going to need it, there was visible aging in them. I mean, the people who looked at the pictures, they could always pick which one was the five-year. But the ones who just wore the 15 every single day, there was no visible signs of aging. And resist the urge to start ordering SPF 15 right in this moment. That's not what this is about. It feels small and inconsequential to put on SPF 15. On a daily basis, it's like, what difference will this really make? It's just such a small thing. But so it is with your skin, so it is with your soul. What difference will it make if I spend 15 minutes pursuing the presence of my heavenly father. What difference will it make if I study scripture and, and I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm not reading for a chapter, but I'm reading to hear his voice, to know that he's speaking to me. What difference would that really make five years down the line? 
I want to tell you, it would make a huge difference. We as a church, we as a people, as individuals, as, as leaders of families, we don't want to just be thinking about this moment. We want to know where we're going. I, I grew up in Florida for the most part, and one of my neighbors had an orange tree. Her name was Miss Emma. She was an elderly lady, sweetest old lady. And she would let us go and pick oranges whenever we wanted to. I wanted a snack. I could run out and grab an orange. And until I, I was prepping for this message, I didn't realize, you know, it takes 15 years to go from seed to a tree that will blossom and produce oranges. What kind of foresight is it to say, 15 years from now, I think I'd like to eat an orange in my backyard. I want our life to be lived in a way that what we do today, what we do in this week, what we do in 2020, will bless people 15 years from now. And I believe when you live that way, it will bless people right now. It will bless people in this situation, but I want our dream and our vision to be so big that it can't be contained by 2020. I want the change that you see for yourself, for your family, for this city to be so big that it has to extend beyond these 12 months but it demands that I live for God in a passionate way in this moment. What kind of seeds are we gonna plant as individuals and as a church in this city? The opportunity, the moment that's fleeing, that's passing by is now. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you that we can be clothed in your presence. I thank you that there's no better place to be, that it's that picture of heaven on earth that the gift of heaven is being in your presence and that can be experienced now. And so, Father, help us to put away the distractions. Help us to put, pull away any of the addictions that has kept us from walking closely with you so that we can walk in your presence in a daily way that empowers us to be better husbands, better wives, better fathers, better, better sons, better workers, better Christians. And may the choices we make create blessings for generations down the line. We thank you for this opportunity that you've given us. Help us to respond with joy to these, these, these times that we have. We thank you for this in Jesus' name.